wanting to bring a message just on the final few words of First Thessalonians, um, and I've called this message "Getting a Few Getting a Few Basics Right." Um, it's a few. It's sort of a, a few words, just a few short statements that. Paul makes at the end of absolutely important but before I go into that I just want us to just have a quick review um, of what Paul has written in the book of first Thessalonians just have a quick overview we've been in it for um, a year and so we just want to have a quick look Paul focuses in the book in this letter to first Thessalonians which was written to a small um, young group of Christians in the a large growing city western northeastern uh, Greece um, and he wrote first talking about how he brought the message of the gospel the story of Jesus his death and his resurrection to them and he calls that the message or the gospel which means good news and he also uses the term um, word of God to describe that message so he's brought the message of God to them and I've just where he mentions message gospel or word of God and he then as he as he's doing that he also focuses on the fact that when this message came when Paul preached this message to them they responded in faith so what happened is they heard they believed and they put their faith in Jesus as God's Messiah the son of God who's come into this world to live as a man and to be their Lord and um, so they believe that and they put their faith in that message and as a result of their faith they it brought a, tr- a total change in their life they went from Worshipping idols and paganism is all kind of evil and they've become a people, a holy people of God, forgiven and into a relationship with God where he's transforming them. And Paul's transformation is known throughout um, the Roman world where people have heard of the great things God is doing in the lives of of the Thessalonians and the gospel always does that it brings change and then Paul moved on to focusing in on his his desire that the believers would love one another you had Jews and non-Jews the Jews used to worshiping God ordered moral which was often a lot of debauchery worshiping of idols and stuff and you brought these people from different backgrounds who used to be apart and people from all different nations as well and they're they're brought into a group who meets together possibly in a number of different groups a bit like Edak but he's brought them into relationship and now he encourages them to love one another because loving one another is hard but it's the most essential part of our Christian response to love God and to love his people and so Paul then, he also emphasised in First Thessalonians the hope of the second coming. But 
Paul was forced out of Thessalonica because of the persecution and the people remained being a persecuted church. And so he reminds them again and again and again of their hope of, the, of Christ's return and their salvation because it's that hope which keeps us going in tough times. And then Paul also covered some basic Christian living, issues like sexual purity. You can't live you're in sexual debauchery like the pagans. You have to live... Um, your holy, sexually pure lives. You have to be, you know, you have to be expressing your faith in church fellowship, in minding your own business, working hard, thankfulness, joy, and praying, and so on. So that's that's what the message or the letter of Thessalonians writes. And having come to look at today, um, he writes since his verses twenty-five to twenty-eight. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Now, this uses the old-fashioned word brethren, which means brothers and also um, people who are related. Paul addresses three issues here. The Final verse, verse 28, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you is applying to all of them. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you in three areas. And we want to have a look at those three areas briefly today. Now, um, very rarely do people actually preach on this because often we can read these verses in the scriptures and we think, oh, it's just sort of, it's just like a g'day, how you going? We don't really expect an answer, it's just niceties. But these, these words are not throwaway lines, just things to be uh, not thought of. They're actually the key ideas that Paul wants to leave with the Thessalonians about how to live the Christian life, about how to live it practically. And it's it's the important things he wants to say in summary. And um, the point he's saying to them and through them to us to get right. These are not side issues, but core practical issues of the Christian life. And so let's have a look at those three. Now, the first one he says is that we are to pray for one another. He says in verse 25, pray for us. As I've said, each one of them is an expression of what it says in verse 28, which is the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Amen. So what, he's, what Paul's saying in, this, in these few words is this. Is he's saying to them, not, I oh, just pray for me. He's saying, add to your commitment to prayer, me. Put me on your list. The great apostle Paul, um, we were... Like as I look at Paul, I think he was he was the most outstanding person of history after Jesus. I don't think there. I don't think that comment can be can be disputed. And it's easy to imagine that um, someone like Paul didn't need to be prayed for. But we can pray for the others in the church. But. Um, but Paul um, didn't need to be prayed for. But what Paul's saying is he's saying, I want prayer 
to be a part of your lives. That is an essential part of being a Christian, is to be somebody who talks to God, brings the needs of other people in your Christian family to God and include me. So that's what he means by brethren pray for us. Now, in Ephesians 8, Ephesians 6, 18 to 20, in fact, nearly every epistle he includes an encouragement to prayer. And his, this was the, in Thessalonians, the briefest one. But if Paul had more time and um, more paper when he was writing, this is probably what he would have written to expand. Well, what do I mean in the Spirit? In other words, by led, being led by the Holy Spirit, his Spirit guiding your Spirit through your mind out into what you, what you pray. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador of change. Pray that I may... I think that's what Paul meant by brethren. Pray for us. Now, the idea is simple. One of the basics which God wants us to get right is that we would be a praying people. Not just requests, but that we would be expressing gratitude, praise to God continually. Getting into the habit of talking and communicating together. We're going, oh God, can you guide me? Can you lead me? Oh Lord, thank you, praise you, thank you for your goodness. All of those sorts of things, which should be our way of thinking, but that we would add and pray for people. Now the fashion of prayer list has gone because some people made it too hard. But I think it's a good idea and I'm thinking one of my things I might start doing is returning to that this year. Saying, I'm, going to, I'm going to start making a list of some of, of people to pray for daily. Hey, pray for your brothers and sisters. And when we're praying, what we're doing is we, we start off with praise and thanksgiving and being grateful to God. But when we're praying, what we're doing is we're asking for the grace of the Lord Jesus to be with people. When we're praying and making requests, we want God's grace to come to us. When we're praying for others, what we're doing is saying, God, they probably deserve death and judgment and hell like I do, but I'm praying because you've died on the cross for them that you would bring grace and goodness in their life, that you would give them what they don't deserve and be good. And it's an essential part of our understanding of prayer is that we always understand that um, prayer is giving God the due recognition and thanks for what he's doing and also to ask for added grace for ourselves and others. We deserve death. By nature we are, we are uh, objects of wrath destined for for destruction and exclusion. But through the gospel, through what God has done in Jesus, he has forgiven us and brought us into a relationship of grace. And that's what we're asking. We're saying, yes, Lord, these, this person is going through this difficulty. This has got these problems. We are praying that you would bring your grace himself and obviously from that church leaders as special needs. So I'm special needs in the church. Graham, 
special needs. Um, Kyron and L, special needs. Why? Because as leaders, what how we go depend it affects everyone else. Like if if whatever and, and so on, we will be disappointed, we'll hurt. But leaders affect the whole body. And you only have to see the tragedy. We see that you know, I'm constantly dealing with people's failures and difficulties in living a, a good life. That's part of being a pastor. But if I fall, many fall. It affects the, the light. And so that's what Paul's praying. He says, look, we're special need. We are, we are under more a spiritual attack and um, we need your special focus in prayer. So please don't see us as being superhuman. We are super vulnerable and we need your grace. We need God's grace. Please remember to include us in your prayers. The second thing Paul talks about is um, great greeting one another with a holy kiss. Now, with the prayer one, he's saying, "Hey guys, uh, you should be. You are. I expect already praying, but hey, make sure you've got us on your list. Add that." With this one, it's the going the opposite way. What Paul's saying is this: is hey, we've got to build relationships with one another. When we come to Christ, we come individually, but we come into a family. Got to feel and build relationships. And as we build those relationships, it takes time and you've got to start it. And so what happens is Paul's saying, be a community where anybody who comes and anyone who's a part is, is... Included, you, they're acknowledged. Hey, I am happy you're here and you express that openness and open up the ability to build a relationship. And so that's the idea here is greet one another. A greeting is the first part, at least the absolute basic part of being in families is we we acknowledge your presence and you are welcome here. Now, Again, in this, we really must understand that Paul is, what he says in the final thing, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. What he's saying to us is this, is that when we greet somebody, we are doing it not just as a person, but we are doing it as an extension of God's grace to the people. And so what we should be seeing ourselves is when we come together in a, as a church, I'm a Christian, I've come to know God's grace and, and he's welcomed me in his presence and I am going to, as part of the body of Christ, extend that grace and show that grace to another person. And so, hallelujah, it's good to see you. Welcome, brother. We are, we are doing that in the name of the Lord demonstrating his grace to that. God loves you and he wants you to draw in close to him. And so that's what we do as a church and how we greet one another is so essential to that. It communicates to everybody whether they're welcome or not. And 
um, COVID appropriate, this command, is it? Okay, and I don't know, we've, we try our best, but we realise most of you could totally ignore the fact where you've, you've got comfortable that, hey, there's no COVID here, um, but we take some degree, and I notice a lot of you are still doing actual hugging, and that's cool, I do. Um, but we do need to be, I realise we do need to be careful. Some people are, are more fearful and more concerned, and rightly so, than others. And, but the, despite the difficulty of COVID, the expression of our opening and welcoming person is vital. And it needs to be done, and it will be done, by the way we use our bodies. And so Paul says, greet the brethren with a holy kiss. Now, I've sort of got it here, but the idea is, is that we use cultural and, um, and relation. Hey, I, am, I welcome you. You are a part of my Christian family, and I want to have a relationship with you, even if all it is is just saying, hey, we're part of the family. And so... It's expressed physically, and um, the the invitation here is an invitation to um, saying you're aim and you. We encourage you to come and join our relationship and come to know to know you. But from there, we have to then decide: well, how much deeper can I go with this person? Now, one of the difficulties, VDAC, as in the last few years, is we've gone from a more smaller group and new people coming. And to add those is difficult, isn't it? And we can't maintain... Like, the thing I find, and I feel, in a sense, grief over it, is that I can't maintain the closeness of the relationship of people I did in the past. And as we add people... We have to be selective as to how much time and so on. And that's a difficult thing, but it still means that what we've got to be able to do is at a level we need to be able to be welcoming of everyone and to be able to say, hey, I want to welcome people and embrace them and say, hey, it's good to see you, you're welcome in this place. But then the idea of greeting is to say, but then I'm going to have to choose and decide as God leads me as to who I can build deeper relationships with because we can only build deeper relationships with a few. And that's one of the difficulties of, I'm sure you've, you've all felt it in EDAC as we've grown um, you go, oh right, some relationships, they're, they're not as close as there, but then I have to add new ones. It's a, it's a constant thing. Understand that we are extending grace and we are extending love and love is always a bit painful. It takes our sacrifice and effort in choosing to to make sure that as we see, so okay, this is a new person, this is a person I haven't seen, I want to make sure that this person is welcomed and I greet them. And then in the process of church life, we have to work out, well, who can I, in the midst of my church fellowship, who can I build deeper relationships with? Adequate, but not over overwhelming. And that's a difficult thing, but it's, it's the decisions we have to make. 
And one of the things will be, we've already talked a lot at, it, at the staff level, that we're multiplying congregations. In dividing the services into two, we're thinking, well, we want to be able to enable people to be able to build the to deeper relationships, so they're not overwhelmed by so many, and also gives. But we realise that you know, we have to add and build life groups, and so we're going to be talking and developing life groups this year a lot more, so that we can actually find that there's a place for us to develop healthy and deeper relationships. So it's not all just greet with no deeper relationship, and um, so. Um, that's what Paul's saying in here. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. Everyone's responsible to reach out or to build your deeper relationships, but make sure that, uh, that nobody is left out and you don't become clicky and exclusive. The, um, yeah. I was supposed to use this as an introduction, but um, as, I've, as I've been thinking about this, this problem of EDAC and how to do that, and I, I think I feel it more than anybody, um, as how, to, how can I try to try and know all of the names and learn them and build deep enough relationships and so on. And I was sort of reminded of Crocodile Dundee number two when he goes to New York, and as he comes to New York, um, I think of the cabbie writes, New York City, Mr Dundee, home to seven million people. And Crocodile Dundee says, that's incredible. Imagine seven million people all wanting to live together. Yeah, New York must be the friendliest place on earth. And then and it shows him going out and he's wandering through the massive streets with all of the thousands of people. He's going, g'day, 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 g'day. And um, it's a bit, everyone's, all, everyone else is going, what on earth is this guy? Now, I realise it's always that in a church. As we go there, we meet a lot of people. We've just got to say, g'day. But I think that's a good thing to do. In the midst of a lot of people, we need to say, hey, let's, let's give people there and not just be, oh, I'm overwhelmed. Let's make the effort to, to greet one another. But then we know we have to make those difficult decisions as to who will I build relationships with, but without excluding other people unjustly and unrightly and that's that's the difficulty which we must face but it's a it's a call which Paul could you imagine there they were the Jewish synagogue doing quite well and then suddenly Paul comes in he he takes some of them out of the synagogue joins with those who have believed in Jesus a whole lot of pagans and say okay guys get to know each other and love one another and growing every day with new people but that's what Paul's saying. That's what he means by greet one another. Be open, be welcoming, be intentional about it, of making sure everyone's welcome, and, but then move in. You also need. Um, the final thing um, that Paul brings is just three absolute basics. As, as God's people, we need to be a people of prayer. Praying is, should be a part of our life. Uh, secondly, we are to be a welcoming greeting, constantly allowing people to join and to be added to our number, to enlarge our hearts even when it hurts. But third, to God's word. 
Now we see this, what Paul writes is this, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. Now what Paul is saying to is that he's writing the letter to Thessalonians, he's going to give it to a, um, he's actually writing through an amanuensis because Paul could could hardly see. Um, He's writing this letter, he then um, hands that letter to someone who took, what he's saying is you, you, you take that but then he's, he's commanding the leaders of the church to make sure that everybody who's connected with that church, it's like Thessalonica was a city of maybe 250,000 people. They probably had multiple congregations meeting in, in these houses on the tops of roofs and stuff and things like that. So it would have been you know, like, a bit like Edak. And he wants them to, as they go there, they, they the letter. But then the leaders are then to explain, okay, we want to explain what Paul means by this. And so what we're having here is um, Paul, as he's writing, he assumes that he has authority. And the words he's saying are actually becoming God's word and they carry God's authority. In other words, Paul in some sense realises that what he is commanding is authoritative in the church. And so the the New Testament church recognised from the absolute beginning when he writes and as they receive these, that these letters are the word of God and that the part of the fellowship of the church is now about reading and applying this new scripture and so we've started with the Moses and they've had the prophets and then they've had the new the gospels and then these letters and so um, a church the third aspect is that we are a people who are submitted to the word of God the Bible is God's word to us and essential in our fellowship is not just praying not just friendship and greeting one another, but essential also is that we are a people under the teaching of the apostles. And um, we, um, we see, for instance, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, which is the chapter before, Paul writes to them in the same letter, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. He's just telling them, hey, you can't live in the sexual impurity of the pagans, God wants us to live sexually pure lives. And then he adds, therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God who gives you his Holy Spirit. So Paul understands as he's writing that he is writing, this is authoritative teaching, which is for them and even for all people. And we see that happening in Colossians chapter 4 verse 16 to 18 he says after this this is the letter of Colossians after this letter has been read to you see to it also see see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea which is possibly Ephesians so you can see here he's writing these letters but now he's telling him to pass the letters around would pass letters around, they make copies of it and they pass it around and they read there. Oh, this is what he wrote to this guy, and then the church leaders would get up and explain, Oh, this is there, this is what we can learn from that. And eventually we put it all in a book and made it the New Testament, added it to the Old Testament, and so we have the scriptures. 
And the reason we have that is because as churches, we are to be submitted to the word. And so Christian life is from God. He gives us his, the gospel, but then the, the gospel is made active in our life, and given um, sort of an immutability by the written instruction of the gospels in the, what we know as the New Testament. And so any church which is a, a New Testament, Christ-centered church is a word, it's a church which is submitted to the word of God. And that's what we're doing now. I'm explaining Paul's, Paul's thing just as they did to Paul's letter back when it was first received by the church. Explained in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 19 to 20. Paul says, Constantly, cons- consequently you, that's a church of Gentiles and Jews mixed together, you are no longer foreigners and aliens but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. The prophets is the Old Testament, the foundation of the apostles is the New Testament with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And so a church must be a praying people, a welcoming people, and a people of the book. And all of those immersed in the spirit of Christ who brings the presence and the life of the gospel to us. So I just want to conclude three essentials of the church life is to pray, to greet and meet, to welcome, to uh, to family and to submit to the word of God. Can I encourage you to do a couple of things practically? One, each time you come to church, ask somebody. As you talk to them, ask someone and try to pray for one person during your time at church each Sunday. Just go, oh, how are you going now? Oh, yeah. oh, can I pray for you? Pray. Don't want, we, we have to do the public ministry here, but your, what happens in the, in, in the, amongst the congregation is the, is the most important stuff. And one of the things is we want to be a praying people. So can I ask you to commit to trying to make each week, as you talk to somebody, as you've had, to go, okay, can I pray for you about that? And just have a short prayer and then continue your conversation. Second, to make the effort to really properly greet at least five people. Okay? Now, what I mean is I go, okay, hi, John, how are you going? Well, hi, my name's Russell. What's your name? I forgot. How are you going? It's good to have you here. Cool. See ya. Hope you have a good time. And then do it five. Just all you're doing is opening up and making there. Now after you get to the six, you know, <laughs> so I've, I've, I've done my five. Now maybe that can be a joke. We know, we know this. I know there's always that tension. After a while, so oh, yes, we feel like crocodile Dundee. Yeah, hello, 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 hello. When does this become ridiculous? You know. But hey, if if everyone at least goes, I want to, I want to tick off my five. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to say it crass, but I've, I've really, yes, it is good to see you. Welcome. I try, and saying so, so that people will actually feel welcomed. 
And thirdly, can I encourage you, and I've actually given you two things, to actually not just hear, but obey. Every Sunday as we come, what is the thing which I need to put into practice? Now, you might say with a greet and meet, you say, you stupid idiot, Russell. I greet 50 people to do that. I'm praying for 15. Or I'm saying, well, hey, find every Sunday something and saying, this is something I'm going to apply to my life. This is a change. We are to be a people who who are under the word and the the scriptures are given so that they become with the word and the spirit transforming us from glory to glory. So we're going to, and then we'll sing the benediction to finish. Let's pray. Let's stand and pray. Father, Father, we live in a world which doesn't want to speak to you but we want to be a people who who are, who are praying people who give you praise lord we want to be a welcoming body lord sometimes we just need that encouragement ourselves and lord as a result as we cast the bread upon the waters it will return to us lord help us to be an open welcoming people Lord, guide us into the relationships we need to build, not just for our own benefit, but for the benefit of others. Guide us to build deep relationships as well. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to be a people who don't don't just hear your word, but obey.